Hello everybody, it's me Roberto Severini, your host on Severini Reflections, Exploring the Everyday Human. Today is episode number two. Thank you for those tuning in and thank you all for the amazing support that I've had. I've had phone calls, I've had people text me, and I'm really, really thankful because this has been a hard thing to do. I know I'm outgoing, but just putting myself out there completely is just another story, but I would like to just thank you once again for supporting this journey, and I will promise to keep the content coming because I'm enjoying this, and I hope you guys can continue to enjoy this. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this episode a little bit. I'm going to be introducing my best friend, Julio Morales, who is a Rutgers graduate, and we're going to be exploring some topics such as the Latino experience in the United States and the American dream. And then there's much more from bullying to the gun walkout with the protests with the kids and much more. So stay tuned and enjoy. What's up, everybody? I'm here with Julio. Um, we're going to talk about a few things tonight, but I'm going to just let you talk, Julio, introduce yourself, tell us All what's right. going on in your life, and then we'll go from there. Let's get everybody, like Berto said. Julio, you know, I went to Berkshire School. Uh, that was my white experience right there. <laughs> and then we met actually at Rutgers um, the summer before our freshman year through our EOF program. You know, I was blessed to go to that because that little money still helped. You know, college yeah. is expensive. And EOF is pretty much, <clears throat> for those of you that may not know, it's Educational Opportunity Fund. For those of color or different ethnicity other than American, well, we're all American, but not of privilege per se that's what it pretty much was and we were put in classes where we were pretty much in school before everyone else was in school we were in a fast like track college program. boot camp really pretty much that was possibly one of the worst experiences of my life because i hated that boot camp i hated it but i learned a lot i met a lot of good friends and a lot I, of great friends yeah, came out of that program I, I i have a few left i mean you and then What's his name? Sean, Marcus, Marcus taking my business yeah. headshots. Sam, who still hits us up. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, no, she's she's always around. She's always traveling too. I see her creating the food page. Uh, but yeah, no, that's where Julio and I met. And yeah, anything else on your mind, Julio? What you got going on? Any projects? What you uh, got going on? In personal life? Nothing really. You know, my brother just recently, not just recently, on February twenty eighth, he got shipped out to the navy. No, I'm um, really proud of him because he really stepped up. Uh, kind of more proud also because I feel like I've passed on some of my patriotism. To, right, yeah, to I could see that. And it's cool to see how you can influence a sibling. Right. No, the yeah. influence that you can have on them. I can't relate. I mean, I have two half-siblings, but I, I just grew up an only child. I'll still consider myself an only child. I uh, hope my siblings don't hear this in the future. I mean, but, you were you were a big brother to Selvin too, so yeah, say that. Yeah, no, that's true. He he was my little brother. I mean, for the people that uh, don't know Selvin, he's he's this young juvenile, very redundant that young juvenile stuff. But he was my best friend, still is. He's off in the navy, but the man needed to, you know take life by the horns and grow up a little bit but and I always wanted to help him and I saw a lot of myself in him so I really just wanted to help and I'm glad he decided to make a decision like Julio said to yeah. you know further grow himself and make himself a better human being you know, when life got rough he really stepped up to it yeah oh yeah yeah he did 
we definitely know what he's been going through, and I mean he'll 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 come back a changed man for sure. Oh, for sure! Yeah. I can't wait to see this change. Yeah, he, he's probably gonna be even more freaking fit. Oh my god, he's gonna be right. He's gonna be top notch. But yeah, and uh, other than that, I mean we went into EOF uh, minorities, uh, people of color, and we're just gonna delve into a little bit of that because we kind of just wanted to talk about our experience being Latino men in a white high school, pretty much. I mean, I've experienced that my entire life, but it's probably a few experiences that us Latinos have had just growing up here. Probably why we don't, I don't even know how to put it. I mean, we do assimilate, but sometimes we don't because we want to be you know, with our own kind, but then sometimes we can't even feel like we're with our own kind because they think we're too white for them. Or, Definitely. you know, white people think that we were too Latino for them. And it was always this constant debate in our heads. And, you know, I'll, I'll let Julio talk about his experience, give us a few, you know. Sure. Um, well, Berkshire definitely was a culture shock, culture shock to uh-huh. me. <clears throat> even though, you know, I went through a program that got me into that school that was, you know, supposed to set you up to be um, better prepared for it. However, in the program itself, you still had, you know, Latinos, blacks, you really didn't have any whites. So even when you went off to like, there was this phase three program um, where you went off to Lawrenceville Academy. What's that? What is Lawrenceville Academy? Uh, I don't know if it's Lawrenceville Academy or Lawrenceville School. Okay. It might be the Lawrenceville School. Yeah, Yeah, it's out there in Lawrenceville. Um, It's one of the top boarding schools in the nation. Definitely top five, I think, in Jersey. Um, so that's where I had, like, my boarding experience to make sure that I was ready to go to boarding school. Okay. But Boarding school sounds so crazy. You just imagine, I don't know if you've watched Gossip Girl. I have watched Gossip okay, Girl. Okay, Gossip Girl, that reminds me <laughs> of some crazy fucking, <laughs> crazy fucking boarding school that you're just like, what are these fucking people doing? Yeah, where I get asked a lot, like, mm-hmm. is it like Zoe 101? Oh, you remember yeah, that show? That was a great show. Good show. Jamie Lynn Spears, why'd you go get pregnant? Seriously. You canceled their favorite show. For real. <laughs> but yeah, no, go on, man. Sorry. Um, no, it's all good. So yeah, you know, it was a culture shock because I get there and then, you know, you start encountering all these rich white people. You just feel like you're way out of your league, you know? Like everyone just got like the top brands. Um, they're not worrying about, like, how they're going to pay for their books and stuff. I got all my tuition paid, thank God. You know, I just, I somehow, it's amazing the way that God works because yeah. I actually got my acceptance to that school on Good Friday. Oh, awesome. Yeah. They called me and they're like, yeah, you know, we just want you to let you know that you got your full ride to us. That's amazing. Would you, like, and they asked me to accept that right there on the phone. I was like, heck yeah. Yeah. So I was excited, you know. Was this your choice or your mom's choice? Or? It was my choice, really. Okay, nice. I applied to the SEEDS program that would help me get into the Berkshire. Um, kind of just really wanted to... I feel like I was presented with this opportunity, and if I didn't take it, I would regret it. Mm-hmm. And I actually i am so happy I did, because my time, my four years at Berkshire, they were amazing. Um, it was such a great experience, really. What kind of opportunities do you think that Berkshire had over possibly going to continue your education here in Piscataway at a public high school? Well, let's see. It was more um, personalized teaching. Like the classes we had, maybe 15 students, top. What was, I guess, the population of the school? Well, my freshman class was about 45 kids. Wow. 
That is the whole tiny. school is about 500 kids. That is very, very tiny. Yeah, my senior class ended up being about 100 something because people eventually, you know, come transfer in. Of course, some leave. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. some come for an extra year of high school and they have to go somewhere else to do it. Okay. Besides the personalization, what other things do you think that they had over? They had a lot more school? AP classes okay. that they offered. More technical, I guess, classes because I know why well, I went to Maculata where. As a few of you listening to this that went to Immaculata, you know they offered shit. They offered nothing. So anyone that says that they had, like, technical classes like Woodshop or, like, they had, I guess, computer science. I mean, we had computer science, but, like, something, it just, it never appealed to me. Because yeah. they, they were just so bad at advertising it, and you just didn't want to learn there. And that was my experience at Immaculata. I cheated my way through. Um, most of you guys know that I was a fucking clown. I still continue to be a clown, but not to that level. <laughs> yeah, you still are pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah then, they did offer more technical mm-hmm. classes, really. Like, um, I took electronic music there for two years. They also had this really interesting concept for um, about a week before you went off on spring break. Okay. That whole week, um, you would take three classes, pretty much. Uh, each class like was like... Elective? Yeah, it okay. was kind of... It was called Provita. Okay. It was basically for life, because it's... School motto was like uh, pro vita, um, so for life, not just for school, but in Latin. Yeah, we had some Latin uh, <clears throat> words for like our, I guess motto. I forget what it is. Yeah, I that private school life. Yeah, man. But yeah, there was, so basically that whole week you could just take these random classes. Like, I ended up taking, um, you know, cooking across America, which was a class where That's we funny. like one sorry. of the yeah. uh, chefs, like at our at our school cafeteria. He held the class and basically just learned how to cook, you know, different styles of cuisine from the United so States. So these guys actually prepped you for life. Yeah, sort much. of. Okay. There was also this, like, one random class you could take was mysticism. Um, and did you take that? Yeah, I actually what did. What was it about? It was interesting. It was more about where you could, uh, it was about meditation to the point where you could, like, push out and feel your aura. I've, I've experienced something like that. I've, I've looked into some meditation like that and... I haven't experienced, like, the aura, but I have, like, attempted it. Yeah. That's cool. Any other, Anything else? Like, um, They had a, one class I took. It was called Yoga Bonito. Was it soccer? Yeah, oh, it was just God. indoor soccer. Oh, God. That's so, a class? Know, yeah, that was a class here, for a whole No one in my damn high school wanted to play soccer, but, I mean, I was a fat ass still, but I was still a gym class hero. I was a, I was a boss ass. <laughs> basketball player sticky fingers over here in dodgeball or in softball that was fun yeah but damn man sounds like you definitely had a blast did uh i guess i feel like sometimes we've had i mean eof they really treated us like you know we had a disadvantage for being latino do you think that we have had a disadvantage and do you think latinos are at a disadvantage naturally or is that just... I don't think it's naturally. I think it's more of a perceived disadvantage, really. Okay. Just because <clears throat> um, you're foreign. Right. So any foreign object, really, just or foreign entity at all, just gets perceived at a different notion because it's just out of the norm. Right. So um, our inability to... Well, at least not our inability... It's our parents' inability sometimes to pick up the language. Right. 
that's where they're at a disadvantage. Right. Um, I feel like I was at a disadvantage sort of at a younger age too because of um, the town where I grew up in was really um, just... Where, where did you grow up? I grew up sort of in Plainfield oh, for a I bit. Yeah, oh, I okay. went to Washington Elementary School there. Um, towards the beginning well, like of my life, of my school life, um, kindergarten and first grade, I went to bilingual classes. But the thing was that really? they were really bilingual. It was more of like my parents wanted me to not make sure I didn't forget Spanish, which okay. I thanked them for. Yeah, of course. But that class really didn't focus on English. Mm-hmm. So when I moved like um, halfway through my first grade, when I moved to Faber School out here in Denellen, okay, it was it was also really grew up hard. In Denellen as well. I I went there for like a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Alright. Um, yeah, like you know, Denellen is actually pretty. Predominantly white, yeah, it is. white town. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have any bilingual classes for me to take. Mm-hmm. I had to pick up the language in about, I think they gave me three months to pick it up at a decent level mm-hmm. where they would hold me in that grade or else they would have sent me back. Um, and do you, th- I mean, I've heard you speak Spanish and it's definitely helped you. Uh, in the moment growing up, were there any disadvantages that you had because of your Latino background? Besides your parents'... Yeah. Uh, I mean lack thereof to speak the language English in the United States I mean sort of I feel mm-hmm. like just being Latino you either carry this stigma where you're um loud and obnoxious okay or yeah. you're lazy okay or yeah. you're a landscaper well, I mean that's yeah. just being Mexican <laughs> <laughs> or you're a landscaper or you're Mexican mm-hmm Oh, I, oh, my friend, I know, uh, like, in eighth grade, she was like, why do they always call us Mexican? There's more than more than of us. Like, there's more than just one, like, Latino race. Exactly. I used to piss her off. And I, being Mexican, I'm just like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to do for y- your anger. But I mean, I was never really angry at being called Mexican. I was more angry at just being clumped to one... Uh, ethnicity right rather than them acknowledging the fact that there are multiple ethnicities within the latin culture okay right i know i had a different experience in mm-hmm. high school just hearing you're mexican just i perceived it as just this negative connotation right so i'd always get pissed i'm like so what if i'm mexican i'd get super defensive I got into a few arguments, like, who cares? No one's, like, you know, no one's attacking you. Why are you getting so defensive? You're you're Mexican. No one said anything. But then later on, I started to build my, like, identity around being Mexican. And, you know, people started to catch on and, you know, started to, you know, bully me, make fun of me, saying, like, oh, you know, f- fucking beaner. Oh, you Mexican. But this time, say Mexican with a negative connotation, that, that negative connotation that I always perceived as. But I learned real quick by the end. Well, it took me four years to really learn that uh, I shouldn't be getting mad at that. And no one's saying, like, oh, you're Mexican? Like, question mark? Like, you know, you're ridiculous. Plus, I don't look Mexican. So yeah. e- even, even that's, like, that's even more, like, you look challenging. Gringo as fuck. I do. <laughs> I look gringo as hell. I am racially ambiguous. People do not know what I am wherever I go. Like, yesterday in New York, I went for an interview. I'm talking. Um, this Dominicano, he's in. We're in the lift, and we're talking. Que lo que. Yeah, que lo que. And he's over here like, 
Are you Colombian? I'm like, well, I am Colombian, but that is like the first time people really like call me out, like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're Colombian. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So it's like it's really difficult. It sounds like it's it's not a problem, but it is difficult being like this ambiguous because it's like you hear people talking shit about you in Spanish, but it's hilarious because then you understand it. Yeah. And then you're just like, you know, you say something back and then they just, they're like, oh my God, what? Mm-hmm. And then you're just, I guess, caught in between, man. It's been a stuck, you know, culture for me. It's like, I'm just stuck and I can't find my identity. I guess I'm going through like this quarter life crisis. I know I'm Latino, I'm proud to be it, but I'm also proud to be American, precisely what you said. The opportunities that the United States has to offer just, I mean, yeah, granted, European countries have the same, you know, if not a little different, but they have the same opportunities, but probably not as available as the opportunities here. So I just feel like being American is a huge blessing. I it hit the, is. I, I, we hit the lottery, the birth lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have been born in a third world country. We could have been born in Africa. We could have been, you know, we could have, I mean, we are born in, in a I guess at the perfect time. In the free world. We are. Yeah. It's, it's just a conversation I've had with a few people, and I figured we could touch on that topic tonight. Yeah, I'm definitely down to talk about that. Because, you know, <clears throat> like when you come out of that uh, private school environment and then you delve right back into the Latin environment, it's like sometimes it takes time for you to adjust just because of the way sometimes you have to carry yourself in private right. school. Of course. And... You know, like, looking back on it, you think, like, why did I shun the brightness of my culture? Right. Like, you should just embrace that culture and let people know that you can have these dual identities, you know? Right. you can. Did be... you ever shun? Did you ever feel like you shunned your culture? I mean, in a way, um, it's kind of hard for me to shun that because right. of just my skin tone. Right. Like, you right. just tell You're like, Spanish. it's that no palo over here. Yeah. <laughs> For those, I just pretty much, it's a saying I said, this cactus looking dude. <laughs> and it makes no sense in English, but in Spanish, people people crack up when you say that. You know, you don't want a kid that looks like a frijol, that looks like a bean, or a bean <laughs> that doesn't speak Spanish. It's like, come on, like, that's so ironic and, like, counterintuitive. Yeah. So... It was hard for me to shun that part just physically, but I think um, more about culture-wise, I picked up a lot of, like, white norms. Right. Just the music they listen to, the the way they carry themselves. The way we enunciate ourselves. Yeah. You know? I've heard people are like... I remember freshman year of high school, looking gringo. I'm talking like a white boy, because I went to... Uh, white school my entire life and I'm blessed because I met the greatest of friends that I I still hold 20 years about a friendship with and they've been my best friends ever since and we met one of them Robert Santiago in the previous episode and I mean I went into this first uh, year of high school I had no idea what the fuck I was doing I I I just followed the crowd because everyone was going to Immaculata High School my mom being uh, religious lady, Catholic lady. She was like, "Nope, nope, you gotta go to Catholic school. It's the right thing. It's the better, best education, private education." I'm like, "All right, Donald Trump, like the best education, like, the best <laughs> education I'll ever have." All right, but I didn't say Donald Trump back in the day. But y'all know what I mean. And uh, just the best. Yeah, just the best, the very best. No one will ever top us. 
that was a bad impersonation. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no. So back to the story. I went in and I was in the cafeteria lunch line, and there's these girls. Um, they were my grade, and we're talking. Well, they're talking, and I'm like, and I just decided I'll be like, yo, you guys know I'm Spanish, right? Like Hispanic. And they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. They're like, you're so white. You talk so white. And I'm like, so? I'm like, I bet you I speak better Spanish than you guys. And then I started to speak Spanish, and they were like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm like, I can speak Spanish. But, yeah, no, that's been my experience everywhere. And it's weird, too, just uh, being Colombian mm-hmm. um, and being Mexican. I grew up mostly being, like, associating myself with the Mexican identity. But lately with my girlfriend, Melissa Guillén, What's up, babe? Uh, <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been, like, discovering that culture even more because we've traveled to Colombia together. I've met her family. She's met mine. And it's just given me an excuse to really, you know, travel out there. But that, you know, being in between Mexican and Colombian, it's just like, well, what am I? Like, how, how can I choose? And it's like, there I go continuing to confuse myself and yeah. being American. It's just... It's difficult, it's difficult, but I enjoy all of these cultures. It's just like I can't get enough of them. Exactly. That's why I feel like, you know, America is called the melting pot, you know, it's because where all these cultures came to fuse together to this one culture that we have now right. and that we defend, you know. Yeah. No, it's an interesting culture. It's very interesting because, you know, we're considered the melting pot, but the country's so divided right now. Well, right now, yeah. I feel like, you know, we're going through these tough times where... The melting pot might be getting strained. And who's getting strained? Just these minorities, you know. Which being, minorities? Well, the African Americans, okay. the Latinos, mm-hmm. the Middle Eastern people. You know, they're just getting all these labels attached to them, which is like, you know, either thug or job stealer, terrorist. Uh, immigrant or terrorist. Yeah. Right. You know, <clears throat> and it's sad because. Once we put these, once we let others put these labels on us, then some sometimes people would start like identifying with that label. Right. They'll be like, "Oh, if I'm just seen like this, then why do I have to act different?" Right. Um, I feel like it'd be just a better world if we left out these labels and we forgot. Well, we remembered the one label that really matters, which is you, we're all human. Right. You know? At the end of the day, we all have the same colored bones, the same mm-hmm. colored blood that flows through us and keeps us alive. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Our in essence, like our essence, is the same. We are one species, and these divisions are just weakening our species. Really, I agree. I agree, and I don't. To be honest, I don't see any hope in sight at the moment. But I mean, it's like one day at a time, like one helping hand at a time. Yeah, I can totally relate with you on that. Because recently, you just look at the times, you know, you just look at all these school shootings, you look at all these every day, bombings. Almost every day. There's Are something you, crazy going on. Look at day. the climate change, really. You just, Four nor'easters in three weeks. That's you, what they say. Yeah, you I just, mean, yeah. <laughs> you just start thinking to yourself, like, is there anything good that's going to come out of this? But I feel like you do start seeing that people are waking up, you know, the youth, like these kids that are out there protesting. Um,. For gun control, you know, they're waking up, right. and that's good. But at the same time, I feel like it's sort of like hard to talk about it because 
you don't know exactly what's going on since they're outside of our age group. But I feel like a lot of them, you know, just follow along with the crowd. Uh, I was so actually going to talk about that. Some of them don't even know why they're protesting or, like, what exactly they're protesting for. They're just going with the crowd. Oh, you're going to protest? Yeah, let's all walk out, you yeah. know? Instead of, like, we're walking out because of this and we right. want this. Have you seen, did you see that video of that no, uh, video. high school girl? I don't know where she was, but they did Ball a one? The one that talked to NRA? No, it was, she was a brunette oh. with glasses. She was in a hoodie. Well, she's, they, were doing, they did their walkout. And just what you said, she's like, why half of you guys are out here because you guys are skipping class. You guys don't even care about this gun exactly. control. She's like, you don't even care about these people around you. She's like, we're in this situation because of all of us, because of you. Half of these people that are committing these treacherous acts have been victims of bullying, do have their mental illnesses, and, you know, they just want to be themselves, but they're constantly bullied. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, people definitely reap what they sow. I mean, you can't expect for someone not to retaliate. I mean, it's horrible. to. I'm not condoning to retaliate, you know, killing people because you've been yeah, bullied. But it's like, you know, cut it out, honestly. Uh, I've been, I was bullied, um, and it's definitely not a fun feeling. It's, it's sad. Um, you feel alone at times because there's... Demoralizing. Yeah, it's demoralizing, and then especially the people that you really thought were your friends, they're there laughing in the crowd, and you're just sitting in the back of the bus, and people are just laughing, you're there crying, like, you know, you just feel lonely, you just feel like you just want to hit them. And, you know, I, I never really resorted to violence. I had anger issues. Still kind of do. <laughs> but, um, you know, I kept it all inside and never really was outspoken about it till my senior year, till I lost all the weight that I had. And, you know, I saw the change in people's behaviors towards me. Yeah. But, I mean, whatever. I went with the flow. I mean, I saw who were who were actually my friends and who really weren't, who were actually, you know, the hypocrites. But, you know, that's that's in the past. You know, we're all doing our own thing. I, I'm, I'm over it. But it's like, you know, being bullied isn't something I condone. And she's right. That girl is right. And half of us don't even care about what's going on in our world. And also, I just feel like we don't care because the system just makes us care about stupid and useless things. Yeah, I agree. You know, like, we're all following the money. We're all, I, I know I am. It's like, I'm following the money because shit can get tough. You know, you need to pay the bills. You need, you like, plan, plan, plan. You know, sometimes you plan for the worst because. Exactly. No, and I totally know? agree with that, you know, thing about the money. Because it, it comes down to that, I feel like, at the end of the day. You know, all these changes, all these, um, you just have too much money interested money going into politics correct and that's what's coming out to win you know these companies somehow are buying these politicians to put out laws that benefit them their corporations yeah mm-hmm. and they just want for these laws to help them make more money in the end of course that's you know? i mean it's a huge business it it's a huge machine it does and you know he's just you're trying to survive out here and sometimes it just gets really difficult. You get desperate. I mean, 
You know, they say desperate times, desperate measures, but you don't want to reach that level. You you want that financial freedom to be able to definitely you know, build either a legacy or just build a family or, you know, continue an education. Whatever it is that you want to do, you know, something healthy, you know, something that'll help you grow as a human being or something where that money to help others in less need, that's, that's my ultimate goal. I'm trying to, you know, make as much money as I can to be able to help those around me, those that I love. Yeah. And then if I get lucky, I want to be able to help even more than those who I love and around me because it's, you know, they say, what's the point of having all this money in the bank if you're not going to use it? You know, you'd True. rather use it for, for good rather than evil. Mm-hmm. And it's tough, man. It's tough. And you can see this difference in money, like, you know, going back to, you know, growing up in a private school environment mm-hmm. or predominantly white, you know, it was about like 50K to go to my school. Okay. A year. That's you know? wild. Yeah. That's fucking wild. And That's literally five s- times more than what I paid. Some people even had like two, three kids going in there at the same time. That's ridiculous. And you just think about all this money, right? But like all this money didn't. Because I spoke to these kids, and some of them, they were doing, like, hardcore stuff at such, you know, high school age. Like drugs? Yeah, because of, like, how their parents were never there. You know, like, when I told people I went to a boarding school, their first reaction was like, did you do something bad? Oh, yeah, that's that stigma. Yeah, because they think that if you go to boarding (laughs) school, it's because you've done something bad. Right. And, like... Some some of the people that I encountered in boarding school, I mean, yeah, they were there because their parents sent them away. But a lot of them were also there because they had that privilege to go there, you know? And seeing that privilege, seeing all that money flow in and out of their hands, you know, as a person that was just lucky enough to go there for free. And basically, I only had to pay my books to go right. there, which were in itself like $500 a year. Still kind of yes, expensive for an education, cheap. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you start noticing that privilege and then you start becoming a little envious of that money. Yeah. And that's where sort of the alienation process begins because you start realizing that you are part of their culture, but you're not really in their culture. You know what I mean? You can't go on the same trips that they go. You have to like wait for your parents to buy this while their parents would send them to them next day shipping, you know? Right. And it it becomes hard because then when you come back to your Latin culture, people think that you have money because you're going to this place right. or, you know, that um, you're better or that you think you're better right. because of the opportunity that you're in or right. because of the situation that you're Correct. in. Correct. Yeah, no, I had a similar experience, but uh, just to clarify, I mean, this could happen on all levels of humanity, whichever race you're on. I feel like there were a lot of people, even at your boarding school, I know there were a lot of people in my high school that their parents are fucking breaking their backs, sending them to this damn school. Like, I mean, in my eyes, this school was shit. Like, we didn't learn anything. So our parents are breaking our backs to send us to this school while there's some parents just sending their kids there because they got the money and they're just throwing the money away. Or because it's been tradition in their family, so they just send them. And um, I just know I could definitely relate. Seeing people with Audis, BMWs as their first cars, and 
granted, I mean, I was one of the last people in my high school, I mean, in my senior year, to get his license. Uh, I never had a car. My mom worked pretty close to, to my school, so I'd be dropped off every morning, and I'd depend on a ride from her after school. So I could never get home and seeing a bunch of my friends just... Even having a fucking piece of shit car, just having a, enough to buy, like, a used car, like a $3,000 car, I never had that. So it was like, damn, like, and then, of course, my lack of self-awareness, you know, I never was motivated to work for it, and I always yeah. expected things to, you know, come to me. So I guess, you know, that's a little, you know, that's another problem within itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's... That's that was my experience in high school. I mean, met a lot of great people. Still keep in contact with a few of them. Not many. Uh, a few of them maybe listen to this episode, but yeah, that's where I stand. And I've, I mean, I'm thankful for where I am now. And I've learned a lot by just not being in that high school from transitioning from this white bubbled high school where they protected you from like the outside. Going to Rutgers and doing EOF, and yeah. that that Latino stigma, the obnoxious, the loud, the lazy, uh-huh. and I was just like mind blown. I tried to fit in, but I know I definitely didn't fit in. Yeah, that's where I. You remember that? I had such a. I had the worst experience because of that. I struggled too because I can, I can see that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. I came from such a small school environment in the middle of nowhere to like a city like environment where you have to take buses to go to certain campuses. Mm-hmm. You know, at boarding school, I literally just walked from my dorm to the, you know, main lecture hall and then I would walk be, to the cafeteria. Everything right. was just right there, walking distance. I didn't have to take buses or anything. Yeah. Then I come to Rutgers and I find out I got to learn these bus routes because, you know, yeah. I could just possibly get off the wrong one. Which I know I've done. I know I did in the beginning. And just end up totally screwed. Yeah. Are you screwed, man? I mean, that'd be our stupid fault, but still. Are you screwed? I'll blame Rutgers for everything. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, in EOF, just the the total separation of that, you know, the stigma of those Hispanics that were loud and obnoxious and quote-unquote ghetto lazy, mm-hmm. they were together. They would always form their own little clique. And I just felt like, I felt like our group of people, we just weren't. For example, Juan Acea. Yeah. Juan, if you ever listen to this, I mean, you're probably one of the whitest Latinos that I know. And, you know, he Hispanic-looking dude, Cuban, half-Italian, but associates himself with being Italian. But he never really fit in, in my eyes, because he fit in with us. I just feel like we were the same yeah. way. We looked... Uh, we looked, I mean, I didn't, but we were just this melting pot of friends. Marcus, Sean, you, myself, and Juan. But I feel like we were a little bit of a non-stigmatic, if that's even a word. We didn't carry that stigma. We were just, I felt like an outsider in EOF. I really did. At times, so did I. You know, because I came from this boarding school environment where, you know, I didn't, I don't want to say it was like, ghetto right but i just didn't keep the mannerisms that you would keep like if you came from a public school you know like inner city public school yeah which is what most of those kids were from a lot of them yeah no and i definitely felt like an outsider that was one of my experiences where i was too white for the latinos and i'm just like damn 
But I mean, I I'm glad I met you guys because that was probably the funniest crew on campus during Word. that EOF. You guys made my time there a lot more bearable too. Yeah, man, that boot camp was insane. I remember. I was the leader of the balcony boys. I uh, got us in trouble, <laughs> and by 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 accident, I just there was, I don't know why the hell at one of the Rutgers dorms on Campbell, the River dorms, they have uh, a balcony, and it's separated by a window that looks like a door. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go through it, and I went through it, and then the rest of the motherfuckers follow me. And then we all get in trouble later that day, and then we're, like, forced to, like, study hours and not leave our rooms. And I was like, what is this shit? And I didn't know we had the option of not uh, rooming there for the summer. I didn't know either. I was so mad. I missed out <laughs> on so many parties, so many fun times with the with all my friends. And they're like, what are you doing, blah, 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 at school? And they're like, you can't leave. I'm like, no. That was the worst. Yeah, you felt like a prisoner. Yeah, man. That's why I hated that. And then I couldn't wait to get out. And then getting out was, I mean, was spectacular. But in a way, it prepared us, like, I mean. Mm-hmm. In which way? How so? Like. Academically or? Academically. Okay. More than more than socially. It's just academic-wise, you know, that rigorous. You, you got to be on time. I mean, that I don't agree with because, like, as college students, you like find out, like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter for really. late. Sometimes it doesn't even matter if you showed up. Right. Because some of these professors just taught off straight PowerPoint. I agree. Yeah, that's true. It was boring. And they posted their PowerPoints on, like, Sakai. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, it made me lazy. Made me not want to go to class sometimes. To be honest with you, sometimes I feel like college experience was sort of theft. How so? Like... Too much money for such a shitty education? In a way. I mean, it wasn't extremely shitty, but I know what you mean. Yeah, like... I don't know. It's just all these expensive books, tuition. I don't know. I just feel like we have to value education more in a way where it's less of a monetary value, but more of a humanitarian value. Where, like, you never know. You know, the, the cure to cancer could be trapped in the mind of a poor person, and they can't get this cure out there because they don't have the access to this education. Correct. And I agree. It's just it's just so sad to see education as a business rather than a right. It's, yeah. No, I agree. Um, my friend Dan Lima, have you ever met him? I don't think I have. All right. Well, he just applied uh, to get his master's in social work to Columbia, Rutgers, UPenn. And it's just ridiculous. Uh, I feel like he said he, without the money, that one year or maybe two years at uh, Columbia University, he got accepted. Congrats, Dan. Um, is about eighty thousand dollars, and that's all. He's like, I don't have that money, and that's all loan money. And it's like, it's a. You're right. It's a. It's a theft, man. And I'm still paying student loans to this day. I I've been paying it so for <laughs> almost two years now in August, and it's like, I'm just struggling. I mean, I'm not struggling to maintain the payments. I, I have them, but it's like, that's a huge chunk of my paycheck that's out yeah, there it adds it's sort of like an anchor in a way we're recording on anchor <laughs> but yeah pun intended yeah <laughs> now it is an anchor man it, it do- definitely holds me back because going back to what i said i'm i'm like worried about the money worrying about like 
emergency funds like something can go wrong i'm not trying to spend all my money because i i don't want to be that guy who you are on default on these exactly i don't and i just i don't want to ruin my credit and that's yeah. what this this country's done to me it's like i just don't want to ruin my financial uh value you know and kind of that we're sort of reiterating sort of what i remember from the last episode since i tuned in uh your parents american dream you know coming here to make that money yeah and then that kind of like sticks to you and then you know us growing up in that you know private school environment right. we sort of realize that you know money well not realize it's more like we are programmed to think that money is the most Everything. important thing yeah i agree i totally agree and this is again i guess from the last episode a continuation of our parents do really think that going to college will get us like this dream job yeah and it'll land us like so much money when in reality it doesn't there's people that get lucky i know i've seen friends out there working for some great companies and i see them like traveling for work and i'm like god damn i should have studied what you studied but i also had no interest to study anything in school yeah i just went with the flow and i mean i'm starting to you know be a little more creative and start to hustle i've realized that you know i gotta do what i love and that's you know having conversations with my friends you know making a name for myself and you know trying to touch other people's lives just by being myself and i'm gonna continue to and just continue with my photography been a rough road but hey i'm sticking in i'm sticking out there but yeah and that's what matters man i think everyone here has a uh you know purpose it's hard it's hard it's trying to find that purpose is like probably one of the most difficult things to ever really you know achieve it's it's hard finding your purpose because and now nowadays we're in this technology age where we can see everything we have access to everything it's like how do you know what you love anymore yeah you could choose so many things like how do you know what you love i know i love soccer the world is your oyster it is man fuck now you just blew my mind. It's like you're so that's that's so cliche, but so right. Yeah, there's all these cliches, but they carry something to them. But yeah, guys, I'm gonna wrap it up there. We've been talking your ears off for the past 45 minutes. Yeah, I know we can't believe it either. What 45 minutes? Yeah, we could talk. We could talk. I mean, if we could talk i mean birdo and i really do this on a regular yeah. basis like whenever we hang out we just have these long talks about literally anything <laughs> life life yeah and, and it's I, i'd rather record these you know make it a little segment here and there and you know get julio's name out there uh like and you, you said could, you know your title is severine reflections reflecting on life no, what is it, the everyday human or something? Oh, like that? exploring the everyday human. Exploring the everyday yeah. human, and that's oh, yeah. what you're doing through this podcast. And I really dig that because, like, I kind of feel the switch up in your episodes. You know, like the very first episode, right? It was all about it was the gamification topic was yes. really interesting, right? And now here we're talking about you know growing up Latino in a sort of white environment, right? And as you could tell, like. The American dream is still in there. It still came up. And yeah. That's, I mean, connected. we're in America. Right, of course. The everyday human here, you know, is chasing that American dream still. Facts, bro. I agree. That's so true. It's so true, and I'm glad that you touched that because, I mean, I'm trying to get that across. And I'm 
hoping anyone can relate because we're all Americans here and we're all part of this melting pot because we all have probably had different experiences but similar reactions to these things. It's like we're not alone and, you know, I hope you guys can relate to this probably to some level and then continue to listen. And, I mean, I could probably produce more content and, you know, keep you guys happy. But on that note, I'm going to say goodnight. Um, Julio, thank you for coming by. Thank you for helping me with this podcast. No problem, man. It's a privilege. Thank you, man. All right, guys. Have a good night.